Man, thanks for coming. So, uh, so I dug these out of my garage uh, today. They're, they're old uh, uh, jack stands that back in the day I used to use. Uh, I don't do much of that anymore, um, but I used to do a little bit of, of work on my car uh, when I was a young guy. And uh, I brought them here uh, to put them up here in the front so you can see them uh, when I'm teaching here a little bit. Uh, back in the day uh, when I was younger, never did anything too silly or too complicated, but changed the oil and maybe put new brake pads on, or um, some of you guys will remember, you know, put a little duct tape on the muffler pipe, because you ain't got 50 bucks for a new pipe. And so um, back in those days, um, I would just grab the jack that came with the car, and I always had junky cars when I was young, so the jacks were junky, and you know, you'd jack it up, and, and I'd get under there and do whatever I got to do, and uh, one day I just absolutely freaked my wife out, because she came out in the driveway, and I got this uh, nasty jack holding the car up, and I'm under there, and she just freaks out, because she thinks it's dangerous, and you know, it's going to break, and she's going to be married to a pancake, and so she goes, is there a better way? And, and so I, you know, get up, and you know, you're right, and so go to AutoZone, pick these things up, and I've used them through the years. They're kind of stuck back in my, my garage, and I brought them today, and I want them to be there while I teach. Um, I, I feel like a, a middle school teacher with props and stuff, but I, I brought them because you might not uh, be aware of the fact, and in fact, probably most of you uh, hadn't heard that before, but um, jack stands are mentioned many times in the Bible. And you're thinking, dude, what version are you reading? Because I've never seen jack stands in the Bible. And what I want to show you um, in our study this weekend that it is a very, very, very important part of the Word of God that he gave us, and it's about a doggone jack stand. So we're, we're in this uh, series that we started last week, and, and Aquila did a good job um, um, telling us about that. I thought he was going to start preaching, and I've told him, I said, dude, you preach, I'm coming up to sing. So there you go. So he did, he did a good job kind of bringing it up, up to speed, what we've been talking about, and this idea of finishing is uh, greater than starting. And what we mean by that is that anybody can begin a walk with God. In fact, uh, probably most of the people in this room, you have some semblance of a connection with God that you've begun in your life. And so anybody, anybody can do that, but not everybody finishes it. And God calls us to finish it uh, just as important as starting it. And, and I want to I say this before I get into this. I want you to hear me. Um, from my vantage point, as one, of the, as one of the people, by the grace and mercy of God, who's allowed me uh, to have a seat of leadership in this church as one of the staff members and, and one of our elders. And so out of his mercy and grace, he's allowed me to be in that, that position. And from my vantage point... I just want you to know how happy I am that our church is tackling that. And we started it last week, and it's just warmed my heart and encouraged me about how I've been hearing talk, people talking about that. 
and in the hallways of our church and on social media and, and people start using that, that lingo to stay in the faith game and don't quit your faith and, and advance, don't retreat, and Jesus and the, the work of the kingdom of the church, that, that, I, that ought to always be more and more of your life, not less and less of your life. And man, I've just, I have really, really been so pleased to hear people catch this the, the, the thought of this and starting to talk about it and resonate about it. Um, it is needed in today's world. It's a conversation that is desperately needed, and that's unfortunate, but it's, it's reality. And I don't know, gang, I, I don't know, was it COVID or what it was, but something happened to us culturally um, two, three, four years ago, and this, this idea of, of not having staying power has just infiltrated our society. That's why you can't go to a restaurant where they've got enough waitresses. Am I the only one that's been to those places, huh? Why? Because nobody stays anymore. Nobody stays anymore. And somehow, that got in to the faith world. That got into the faith world. And, and so... And I'm not talking about East Side. I'm talking about the church on the whole. We call it the Big C, the church everywhere. That what we've seen in recent years is this tendency to begin a walk with God, but not finish it, to bail out of it somewhere at some point. And we just wanted to kind of try to reverse the trend of that here at East Side this year. And that's why we said, let's do this right out of the gate. And it has warmed me. I have been encouraged. Although early on, I have been encouraged to hear people catch that and talk about that and have conversations about that. When I introduced this uh, last weekend, I made concept that the, the wording of endurance, um, perseverance, patience, all kinds of, of words like that, where God is trying to bring that in his, in his Bible, it is mentioned more than 150 times in the Bible. I mean, it is a big deal to God. Now, a third of those, just a little bit more than a third of those, at my count it was about 54. About a third of those indications of endurance and perseverance is the word jackstand. And you might never have known that. That one-third of the time in which God said, now if you're going to start this thing, man, you got to get to the finish line. He used the word jackstand. Now, it's not exactly jackstand. It is the word, and it doesn't matter at all, okay? It is the word pronounced in Koine Greek language as hupomeno. And, and hupomeno is a word that we, we talk about this all the time uh, in our studies here where the Greeks would take two words and they would bring them together to kind of create a thought. And that's what hupomeno means. I, I brought this here for you to see. Hupo means to be under something and meno means to stay. And the, the, the gospel writers would bring those words together and over 50 times this is in the Bible, which means to stay under, to stay under, that God continually reminds people to stay under. 
And you think, what in the world are you talking about, Dave? Because the context of almost all of that, of staying under, it is in the light of being under something of incredible weight and pressure. And you, you, you're, you're holding it up. You're immovable. You're rock solid. You're, you're not going to crush because of the power that you have invested in you to stay under and hold that up. It's a jack stand. And 54 different times, God brings that up in his word and reminds us that what he wants is not just people who will start the race. What he wants is people who will be jack stands. Now, you're gonna see that in a study that we're gonna do here really quick through the passage of the book of Hebrews. And there's a paragraph there that we're gonna walk through today, and we're not entirely sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. Some people think it was the Apostle Paul. There are other people who think it was Barnabas. There's a few other suggestions. We're not really sure. Um, here, here's what I would say about that. It don't matter for 99% of us, okay? Leave it for the, the, the Bible geeks, that have nothing else going on in their life. Let them play with that. It, it just doesn't really matter. The author of Hebrews, what I tend to, to say about that, is spent time in his letter about this idea that Christians need to finish, finish, stay in the game. And as he writes this paragraph in the peak of this, of this conversation, he uses the word hupomeno, stay under, Jack stand, he mentions it three times in three verses. In other words, he was saying that if you want to be a person who says, man, I made it to the end of the game, you want to be that person? Then you got to learn how to do this. And he just repetitively talks about it. So I want to show it to you real quick on, on the scripture, on the, the screen here. It's three verses long. I want to read it. I'm going to put it all on the screen for you to see. It's, it's kind of um, somewhat exhausting, but hang with me. It's one of the most beautiful passages of scripture in all the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. So let me read it, uh, follow along, then we're going to play with it a little bit. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now, if you just look at that first verse real quick, you'll see that I've highlighted the word perseverance here. What that is, is supomeno, stay under, jackstand. And that's the first time he mentions it in the first verse. Watch what happens in verse two. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, remember that, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, hupomeno, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse three, consider him who endured, hupomeno, stay under jackstand, such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, let me show you kind of from a 40,000 foot view what's happening in these, in these three verses here. 
you will have noticed if you paid any attention at all that what, what the author does here is he uses the metaphor, he's trying to paint a picture of what it's like to be a Christian, and he paints the metaphor of a long distance race. So if you're a Christian, you're in a long distance race. And you probably caught that up. You probably, caught, probably, probably, probably saw that in there. And what I want you to see that that's not unusual in the Bible uh, because the Bible often will use um, sports and athletic metaphors uh, to make its point. It does that a lot of different times. The Apostle Paul did it all the time. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, Paul talked about boxing. And he said, I have fought the fight. Many of you know about that. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, uh, Paul talked about running. He said, run in such a way as to get the prize. This is why some people think Paul is the author of Hebrews because he was a sports guy. He used sports analogy all the time. But again, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. What Paul is suggesting is the Christian life is a long distance race. It's not a 50-yard race. It's not where you start a walk with God, and then two weeks from now, you're back doing the same stuff you always were doing. Anybody know anybody like that? It's not even a, a mile race where you begin a walk with God, and a year from now, you wake up one day and realize, dude, I ain't even been in church for three months. It, it's not any of that. It is a long, long, long race. That's what it is. I asked on um, social media this last week, uh, many of you replied to that, I asked the question just to get people thinking, what's the farthest you've ever ran? And I, I think I got a, a couple hundred people responded to that. I got everything from, a lot of people said this, from the couch to the refrigerator. That's as far as I've ever run. And I think the longest was 100 miles, okay? And so the Christian life is way more in that 100-mile thing than it is your quick jaunt to the refrigerator. The passage in Hebrews comes out with the author reminding us that if you're gonna walk with God, you're gonna connect your life with God, get ready because it is a long, long, long race. Now watch this. So how can I get to the finish line? Because I think I can do it if it's 50 yards. I might be able to do it if it's a mile. How do I do it if it's 100 miles, if it's 1,000 miles? How am I ever going to get to the finish line? And what Paul does, if you think he was the author or Barnabas or whoever, what he does with his text, he says, the key to finishing, um, and I'm going to steal this from Aquila. Don't miss this, okay? You don't catch that? Okay, watch this. The key to finishing is the jack stand that there are some jack stands that you have to have in your life. And you have to use these jack stands because they enable you to get to the finish line. And the reason some people never ever get to the finish line is because they try to do it without the jack stand. It's like trying to work on a car without a jack stand. And, and if, I, if I had to do it all over again, you know, it's that hindsight thing, I would take these three verses and I would have a series about them because throughout the verses that I had on this, this screen, there were all kinds of jack stands. And these are the things that you've got to identify and say, man, I'm going to have that be a part of my life so that I can finish. 
And we, we don't have time in one setting to, to deal with all the stands that he brings up. There's, there's a number of those in those verses. And so I just kind of want to whet your appetite. I don't, I don't want to talk about two of them. I want to show you two because I think they're, they're valid and they're timely for us. And I've worded them in a way that hopefully you'll remember them, okay? So here's, here's one of them that he talked about. And I, and, and I want you to hear me, okay? If you're faded out right now, come on back home here for a second. If you can get this one in your life, if you can get this jack stand set in your Christian life, you ain't never gonna quit. And a lot of people who quit on the path is because they never put this jack stand in their life. And here's how I wanna word it. I wanna put it like this. I want to teach you how to hang with the goats. You say, Dave, what in the world are you talking about, hanging with the goats? Well, I want to show you in the text. So if we went back and we looked at this, that passage we read, there is this phrase that is like, what? And, and here's the phrase, and that is that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And you've probably heard that a million times from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And if it's your very first time you've ever heard it, I want you to settle in on that because there is a common interpretation of that verse that I'm going to ask you today to hear what I have to say about it, and I want you to throw it away. The common interpretation of that verse is something that we talk about all the time, and my fear is that we we've learned to understand that in a way that the author was not really saying. Now, you Bible people know that this comes up in chapter 12, verse one, and you people that are all Bible geeks and stuff, you know that all of chapter 11, all of chapter 11 is all of these people that are mentioned who were great men and women of faith who lived their life in faithful ways, and they finished the race. And so you got all these People come up in chapter 11. It's called the Hall of Fame of Faith. We got Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Moses and all these, all these people, man. They're just listed all over through chapter 11. And then chapter 11 ends and chapter 12 starts. And the author says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And then he jumps into this running metaphor. Now here's what most people think that means. This is the popular interpretation of that verse. Most people put two and two together. The whole thing about chapter 11, the whole thing about a cloud of, you know, encircled by all these people and running. And they, they come up and the popular interpretation is that all these great people of faith in chapter 11 are now in heaven. And up in heaven, they are sitting in these stands in this circular arena, cheering us on as we run our lives here on earth. And that interpretation of chapter 11 becomes very comforting to me and you. Because then we begin to apply it into our life, and it's all the people that we know who lived in faith. And now they're in heaven and they're sitting in this grand arena watching us and, and cheering us on and encouraging us. And sometimes, 
pulling strings for us. I'll never forget the day I went and got my dad and I helped him escape out of the memory care center of the nursing home that he was at. I made up some kind of story of why I needed to take him out and I put him in the car and I said, Dad, I'm going to take you golfing. And we went and played nine holes of golf. I don't even think he even knew what we were doing, but I took him because I knew that the next summer he probably wasn't going to be here and I wanted to be the one with him the last time he ever played golf. And so the last hole of golf my dad ever played, I don't even know that he was aware that he was even out there doing it, was number nine on the south course at Quail Chase Golf Club in Louisville. I'll never forget it. It was the last hole he ever played in his whole life. He played thousands of rounds of golf. That was the last hole he ever played. And I took him back to the nursing home, and I told the nurses, the doctor said he's doing pretty good. So <laughs> They didn't know we went golfing. After my dad passed away, a few months later, I went to play golf at that place. And I came to number nine on the south course at Quail Chase. And I birdied that hole. And my golfing buddies out here in the room, you know how rare that is. But I birdied that hole. And I walked off the green and I said this, thanks, Dad. As if he had something to do with that. And and I want to I say this as sensitively as I can for you. I want you to, I want you to hear this because I say this in tender care because that is comforting and that makes us feel good and that helps us to think that maybe our loved ones are kind of watching over us and cheering us on, man. Hang in there. You're doing great. Keep it up. You're going to be up here with us someday. And, and that, just, that just helps us with the grief process. But I want you to hear this. The Bible never even hints at that. And I'm not telling you that doesn't happen. I don't, I don't know where that view came from, but what it didn't come from is the Bible. It's, it, it's never there. If heaven is what heaven really is, I want to tell you something. They ain't looking at us. <laughs> They're looking at everything there. And so what in the world does it mean we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses? What does that mean then? What it is referencing is all the people in chapter 11 who lived their life and got to the, got to the finish line. It's all the people in your life who are living their faith and they're heading to the, the finish line. It's all the people in our life who did accomplish all of that. They ended by living all the way to the finish line and they're in heaven. And watch this. It's not about them looking to us. It's about us looking at them. That they are the example. They are the witness. They are, listen, they are the goat, the greatest of all time because they finished the race. And what the Hebrews author is telling us, that if you want to make sure you're there at the end, you need some jack stands in your life, hupomeno, you need some of those in your life, and one of those 
is you got to have some goats in your life that you're hanging around because they motivate you and they encourage you and they build you up and you get to the point where by watching them and hanging with them, you end up staying in the game. The Christian life was never, ever intended to live alone. You know why? Because you'll never get to the finish line alone. You watch others who are almost there. You watch others who made it there. You watch others who are on the way there with you. And you make sure your life is a part of their life. And there's a power there. There's a power there. Because you will not end the race alone. Let me show you um, a couple of goats in my life. I brought a picture of these folks, and I think you can see it if you look at it. That is Bill and Jane Hall, uh, who are in heaven right now, and I miss them dearly. I met uh, Bill and Jane 19 years ago when I interviewed for the job to be the preacher at Eastside Christian Church. It's crazy to think that it was 19 years ago when I interviewed for this job. I was recruited out of a middle school up in Illinois, and uh, some of y'all aren't going for that, are you? <laughs> and so in one of the interview processes, I, I met Bill and Jane, and I've never said this publicly. I almost took my name out of the mix because of Bill and Jane Hall. When I met them, I almost said, I don't want the job. Uh, Bill was a retired preacher. And um, he retired from preaching, preached his whole life. And then they moved in this area and uh, started attending this church and got involved. And Bill was an elder. And so a retired preacher was an elder of a church that was interviewing me. And I don't know if you all know this, but I'm going to let you in my world a little bit. Um, when you're a preacher and you have other retired preachers in your church, they often are thorns in the flesh. Well, you know, I used to do it, you know, I, I didn't preach like that, I didn't do that, you know, I didn't do this. And their wives, <laughs> they are the worst, okay? <laughs> they are the worst. You know, my husband was better than you, and, you know, you, and I'd been through that. And I remember thinking, I, I just don't know want to do that again. And I almost took my name out because of these two people. But there was something about them. If anybody knew Bill and Jane Hall, just so I know how many people's in the room, would you say hallelujah? hallelujah. Okay, there's a number of you who knew him. Knew them. Something about them. And so I stayed, and um, you guys couldn't find anybody else, so you hired me, and uh, I got to know these people. Miss Jane was our receptionist in our office on Monday mornings. She would come in and volunteer to answer the phone and help us out and things like that, and um, it was almost embarrassing to come to work on Mondays. If you worked here, it was embarrassing to come because you would come on Monday morning and Miss Jane would tell you how incredibly awesome you were over the weekend. And if you were the preacher, it didn't matter who was preaching, I preached most time, 
but it didn't matter. She would tell you how awesome your sermon was, and she would quote for me often my sermon. Man, when you said that, I thought Jesus was going to return right then. And she would just build us up and build us up. You know how some of y'all wake up on Monday morning and go, oh, I got to go to work. I would speed here on Monday morning so that I could walk through that reception area and have somebody tell me how awesome I was. And that was Jane Hall. Bill Hall, we used to joke about Bill because Bill was retired and he would show up in the middle of the week. He was an elder. I guess he thought he had the uh, ability to do it. He'd just show up in the middle of the week out of the blue and just walk through the office area and just walk in people's offices and sit down. This guy had nothing to do at all. And he'd just sit down. Hey, how you doing? Did you watch the Cardinal game last night? And we're busting it to get things done. And he would just waste our time just going office to office. And I joked about this at his funeral that I said, I want to be honest about this. There have been times when and many of us have heard in our office, oh, Bill's here, he's in our office, and we would, we would run up, shut the door, turn the lights off, and hide until, because we didn't have time. Um, but let me tell you what, what I did, and I've never told this, because I did that a couple times. Most time, this is what I did, is I went and opened my door so that Bill would come in and tell me how good my sermon was that week. Preacher, that was a good sermon. <laughs> and they were goats in my life. And they, they had this thing about them because of their ability to do that, to, to hold you up under pressure and I, I can't imagine backing off in faith and disappointing them. I can't imagine that. And then you hear their story how they lost a precious little girl and they never skipped a, a beat in their faith. So, so what, what is this? It's hanging with goats. It's hanging with goats. And so I want to ask do you have that jack in your life? Because you can't do this alone. That's why Christian community in the church and Christian friendships and life groups, why they are so important because nobody gets to the finish line without a goat in their life. That's just one of the jacks that that Paul mentions, and there's many. I wish we were doing a series. I want to send you off with just one, uh, another one real quick, and, and that is, um, I, I call it stare at the goal. So the first one is make sure you're hanging with the goats. Here's the other jack stand, stare at the goal. And um, it it's actually comes up in the text, I'm going to show you here in a minute, because sometimes you, you read the Bible, and you're reading through it, and it is really obvious, okay? There's places in Scripture that it's simple, okay? Um, forgive one another, okay? You don't have to be a brain surgeon to know what that means, all right? Forgive one another. Um, all these kinds of things, you know, the Bible often is very crisp and clear, but sometimes it's very confusing, and there are times when you're reading through it, it's like, well, duh, that's simple. Forgive my brother, okay? Everybody knows. It's like, well, duh, it's obvious. Anybody remember the, 
Anybody remember the silly little story about the, the kindergarten class who, who made their way on a field trip to the local jail downtown, and the sheriff is walking these little kids through the hallway, and they pass this, this big hall, and it's got all these pictures on it, and, and little Sally asks the sheriff, who are those people? And he said, those are some really bad people we're trying to find. And, and Sally kind of looks confused and then says, well, how come you didn't keep them when you took their picture? Duh! See, the, the Bible's like that sometimes, okay? You read and it's like, well, duh, that's obvious. And then if you're honest with yourself, there's times you read it and go, man, I'm not, I don't know really what that means. And you got to dig down deep and find it out a little bit. And that happens here in this text with this particular jack stand that I want you to look at and think about. It's just fuzzy. In the midst of this long distance race, that you gotta, you gotta put some, some things in place to be able to get to the finish line. He, he says this, fix your eyes on Jesus. What's that mean? When he, when he writes, fix your eyes, the wording is to stare at something, to gaze at something so intently that you block everything else out. You don't even notice anything going on. Fix your eyes. Gaze your eyes. Zero your eyes on Jesus. And that's a jack stand. Now, I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. Okay, what's that mean? I mean, you put a picture of Jesus on your phone and look at him every once in a while. What's that mean? Any of you old timers remember the, the old loved hymn? Any of you seasoned saints? Let's sing it together. If you know it, sing it with me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of what? His glory and grace. So do you just sing that? What does it mean? Do you sing about Jesus all the time? Do you look at Jesus? What does it mean to fix your eyes on Jesus? It's fuzzy. It really is. You got to dig down deep. And when you dig down deep, you find out. Okay, watch, Aquila. Don't miss this. It doesn't say to look at Jesus. It says, look at what Jesus did. Don't just look at him, look what he did. And he described it. And he dealt with some really nasty stuff. Look at it, we read it in the text. He endured the cross, all the stuff that happened on the cross, physically and emotionally and mentally, how he died. He endured that, Hubamano, the cross. He endured opposition from evil men. He was the kindest, most gentlest, caring person that ever walked the face of the earth. But he was hated, and he was ridiculed, and he was lied at, and he was spat upon, and he endured all of that. That's what he went through. But in the midst of that, in the midst of enduring all the horrible stuff that he went through in his life, and the author is saying, look at that. Don't look at anything else. Look at what he went through. It has this phrase right here, watch this. 
that joy was set before him. He endured the cross with joy. He endured opposition with joy. Was he psychotic? Was he a lunatic? Now what he did was he had the ability to engage spiritual x-ray eyes. What? Don't, please don't miss this. He had the ability to look through really bad stuff and see what was on the other side. Instead of getting caught up on what is happening, to be able to see what happens on the other side if you stay in the race. And what was on the other side for him? A return to heaven with his father, an eventual coming together of all the people in the world who his death on the cross saved them so that they're in heaven. And so when he's enduring opposition, when he's enduring the cross, he's not looking at the bad stuff happening to him, he's looking in joy at what happens on the other side. Now here's why people fall off. Here's why people don't finish the race. Because we live in a horrible world and while you're running for Christ, life beats you up every once in a while and it knocks you down and you get caught up in all the bad stuff that you're trying to endure. And how do you get through that stuff? You look through it and realize the joy that happens on the other side if you finish the race. And so Aquila was so brilliant, so dead on. It's not about my struggling relationship right now. It's not about the bad health report I'm getting from the doctor. It's not about my financial crisis. It's not about the depression that I can't get over. It's not about the addiction that will not leave its grip on my neck. It's about the joy of what happens if I stay in the game on the other side of that. And in heaven, I'm given the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And so if life is beating the snot out of you right now, here's what I'd ask. Are you looking at all the bad stuff or are you gazing, fixing your eyes into the joy on the other side of the mountain? That's the jack stand. That's the jack stand. And nobody hears, well done, good and faithful servant, without having to wrestle through all of the fog because you know the bright light on the other side. That's as good as I can do, gang. <laughs> <clears throat> Do you, uh, I don't know why I say these things, but y'all, y'all remember the silly story, um, terrible theology. Um, lady has a heart attack, rush to the hospital, don't make it, dies. Gets heaven, God says, oh man, a terrible miscommunication, you weren't supposed to die. Um, you got 40 more years, we're going to send you back. And so she wakes up, she's in a hospital, she's going to live. She thinks, well, I'm here, I might as well get some work, I'm going to be around here for a while. So she gets a little, you know, liposuction and facelift and things drop all over, new hairdo. I mean, I'm here, I got 40 years. She gets out of the hospital a couple weeks later on the way to the hospital, ambulance comes by, hits her, smack dead on, kills her, she's back up in heaven. 
She looked at the Lord. What's the deal? I thought I had 40 years. He said, that's my bad. I didn't recognize you coming out. <laughs> so when it's all over, I, I want him to recognize me. And that means that I got to finish the race. And I can't do it with some really important jack stands. I got to make sure that I'm hanging with some goats. And I got to stare at the goal. And this struck me um, today. I was going through all this stuff and I thought, wow. And I wrote it on a piece of paper on my desk. Look at this. All the goats have stared at the goal. That's why they're goats. That's what I want to be. God, thanks um, for your word. Thanks for the power of your word. And Lord, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not easy to get to the finish line, and you know that. Your son knew that. And I pray um, that maybe we've talked about a thing or two here that we'll get some legs with some people. Maybe some people who are ready to kind of call it quits and back off a little bit. And those things will inspire them uh, to keep running and long for that day on the other side. When joy, when joy will fill our soul. Amen.